We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7, sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 397 of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at my brand new Twitter handle, at Andy Herman NFL. Scani Sports is gone, so if you haven't made the transition yet, make sure to follow me out at Andy Herman NFL. Of course, you can always find my writing at Cheesehead TV. I have a lot to talk to you about today, including Andrew Luck, Josh Jones, some new free agent signings, and much, much more. But let's not waste any time. Let's get started right away. And I want to kick off today with the surprise retirement of Andrew Luck. Of course, uh, the news was announced on Saturday night, I think to the surprise of many. I think many people got the alert from Adam Schefter, myself included. I think a lot of us had to do a double, triple, and quadruple take, make sure it wasn't Sports Talk Barry, make sure it wasn't a variety of other people who have been known to do this type of thing in the past. Uh, even then, you kind of wanted uh, a couple seconds to to think, you know, maybe Schefter was hacked, maybe something happened, maybe something went horribly wrong. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Andrew Luck was, of course, in fact, retiring. 
And this was just such a huge bummer uh, from being one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league, uh, from a player that's had to fight through a variety of different injuries, being, in my personal opinion, one of the more entertaining players in the league. I, I remember watching him at Stanford and being like, this is the first player that I've watched in college that has legitimately had some Aaron Rodgers type traits to him. He was so incredibly good at Stanford. He was one of the most easy evaluations you could ever possibly want uh, from a scouting standpoint. Uh, came in, didn't have everything super easy in Indianapolis. Of course, a huge portion of that was due to the offensive line uh, that was surrounding him that led to some of those injuries that led to kind of the situation that he's in today. But suffice to say, this was a massive bummer uh, for the NFL, for the Indianapolis Colts, for their fans. And there's so much to potentially touch on here. So first of all, I just want to touch base as a as a fan of the NFL losing a player the caliber of Andrew Luck, I don't think we ever fully saw the true Andrew Luck and what he was capable of and what he was going to potentially be in this league. Because like I mentioned, when he uh, was even starting to show signs of what he was capable of, he didn't necessarily have the offensive line surrounding him to be truly successful. Uh, Then as he started to maybe get some of those players around him, he had some of the injuries. And then of course he retired. So I don't know that we ever truly got to see true prime Andrew Luck. I still think he was developing. And and I think this was going to be about the time frame we we were really starting to see him uh, come into his own. And now we are left with uh, a retiring player who, you know, was ultimately not ever really living up to expectations, not quite to any fault of his own, you know, when he was healthy and when he was in there, certainly he was living up to those expectations. I don't want to give off that impression, but uh, just, uh, you know, from a, from a starting point of expecting to be one of the true NFL greats based off of his his scouting report and what he showed early in his career with Indianapolis uh, to retiring way, way, way too early is just such a massive bummer. And I feel for the Colts in that franchise. And I, I just think that this is a devastating blow. Um, I don't think we ever really got to, to see some of the matchups that, that he potentially could have had. Uh, we didn't get enough of, of Tom Brady versus Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers versus Andrew Luck. You know, Baker Mayfield versus Andrew Luck would have been been a fantastic matchup for years to come, in my opinion. And uh, unfortunately, the entire NFL uh, was kind of robbed of some of those matchups and and the prime of Andrew Luck's career. So suffice to say, a a massively devastating uh, retirement from a great player uh, by all intentions, both on the field and off the field. Uh, But I feel good about Andrew Luck and the fact that uh, he is going to be able to get some much needed time away from football. It seems obviously that that same level of passion wasn't there based off of some of the rehab and injuries that he's had to go through. If you haven't seen the list, the laundry list of items that he's had to rehab from and try to come back from, this is certainly not a major surprise that he wanted to take time off and really kind of move away from the game at this time. And I, I honestly just wish him the best of luck moving forward and hope that he finds something that does make him happy once again. So this is a a surprising move, Um, maybe not too dissimilar to a Barry Sanders or a Kelvin Johnson type step away from football, although I think this one was maybe uh, more injury related and, and, uh, you know, just time to to hang it up based off of some of those injuries and the rehab that he's had to go through. Um, It seemed more like Barry Sanders was, uh, you know, just ready to, to call it quits. And he had already seen, you know, his career come to fruition. He had done everything that he wanted to accomplish other 
than obviously, you know, winning Super Bowls or having playoff success because Detroit wasn't that team at that time, not to any fault of Barry Sanders. But uh, this is similar to those uh, two types of players. And if some of the AFC South teams today maybe woke up with a little bit more of a, a pep in their step, and I, I guess I mean the fans of those teams, fans of the the Texans and the Titans and the Jaguars, uh, woke up with you know maybe feeling a little bit more confident today uh, because they don't have to face Andrew Luck for the foreseeable future anymore. I get that. I understand that. And and I can equate it as a Packer fan at the time when Sanders or Calvin Johnson retired. My first initial reaction was that sucks. That's a bummer. These are two players that are insanely good in the prime of their careers. And as an NFL fan, I want to see more of them. I want to see Calvin Johnson go up against the Packers cornerbacks. I want to see Barry Sanders go up against that vaunted Packers defense. I wanted to see, um, you know, some of these great matchups. Like I said, I wanted to see in this situation, Andrew Luck versus Baker Mayfield. So that's my initial reaction, right? But as a Packer fan, I certainly can understand, well, I want to see the Packers beat the best teams in the league. I want to see them beat the best of the best, and I'm not cheering for any injuries or any players to have to retire early. There's a small piece of me that when Calvin Johnson or Barry Sanders or Robert Smith, to a lesser extent with the Vikings, decided to hang things up a little early where I'm like, you know, that's a bummer, but I guess if somebody retired today and it was a big time player, might as well have been a former Viking or Bear or Lion player. I get that. I totally understand that. Again, not cheering for the injury, hoping for the injury, still being disappointed by the injury or their retirement, but maybe it makes things a little bit easier. And at the end of the day, I want the Packers to win Super Bowls. And like I said, while I would prefer that to be against the best players in the league, if that path maybe gets a tiny bit simpler, okay, not the not the end of the world. I get that. But what we saw from the Indianapolis Colts fans in the stadium where they were booing Andrew Luck off the field is by far one of the most classless things that I have seen in football. And this is a player that really gave everything to his team, has rehabbed for years. And for people, even after the fact, and some fairly prominent people, including Brady Papinga, former Packer, calling him out for quitting on the team at this point and this stage is beyond insane to me. So this is obviously a player, in my opinion, that if he had stayed healthy and everything would have progressed like normal through his career, that he would still be quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. This is not an instance where he just got sick of football and is like, eh, I'm done. All right. This is a situation where his injuries have worn on him. He has been in constant rehab and he hasn't been able to enjoy his quality of life because he is constantly injured. That is a physical issue and a mental health issue that I totally understand and respect. And some people have said, you know what? It's the timing. Had he done this maybe back in April or back in January, they would have totally understood. But the fact that it's two weeks before the season for a team that was potentially a Super Bowl contender, that's what they were upset about. And here is my take on that really quick. If Andrew Luck had retired at that point, yes, that would have put you in a more advantageous situation going into the draft and going into free agency. 
But what were you going to do from a free agency standpoint? Were you going to pick up Joe Flacco? Maybe trade for Case Keenum? Were you know what were you going to do in free agency that that would have been a whole heck of a lot different? Maybe Ryan Tannehill. You know they're probably not in much different of a spot than what they would have been with Jacoby Brissett. And same thing with the NFL draft. You know maybe they try to pick up somebody for the future. Uh, you know like a Haskins. But uh, you know what Daniel Jones. Are they in a, a better position today than what they are with, you know, Jacoby Brissett heading into this season? Probably not by much. So I don't think that that necessarily changes much. And let's be totally real here. If Andrew Luck started to have those conversations with the Colts and say, hey, I'm not sure about this, which from the sounds of it happened about two weeks ago when things started not progressing with his ankle the way that they were expecting the Colts would have said, take as much time as you possibly need to figure this out because we want you to be a member of the Indianapolis Colts. And if you can't make it back and you decide not to, we'll live with that going forward. I don't think it would have changed their plans or their season all that much if we're being totally honest. Now, again, maybe they pick up a quarterback for the future and start developing for the future and and maybe it costs them there. You know, maybe they end up with a a Joe Flacco or a Case Keenum and somebody that maybe could be a little bit better maybe than Jacoby Brissett and maybe put them in a little bit better of a position. But from a, a trying to win a Super Bowl standpoint, there's no replacing Andrew Luck on the fly. So I don't buy that. And I do think he, it sounds like he started having those conversations with the Colts two weeks ago. It sounds like they were aware of it. And my guess again is that they told him to take as much time as he absolutely needed. So this is a situation where it seemed like his injuries got worse or at minimum weren't progressing the way that he expected. His rehab was just to the point where he's done this year after year after year now, didn't want to spend a ton of time rehabbing. And he had made mention of the fact that if all of a sudden he couldn't put into it as much as he wanted to and the love wasn't there and the passion wasn't there, that he didn't want to you know, give 50% to this team and, and not be all in. And I respect the hell out of that as well. So this was just a, a awful look for the Colts fans. And I want to be clear here too. I fully understand that this is not representative of the Colts fan base as a whole. We all know that in every fan base and in every walk of life, if you get together a huge chunk of people of whatever population it is, there are going to be some loud idiots in that said group. And Packer fans are no different. Colts fans are no different. And some are worse uh, than others. There's no question about that. But that's the fact of the matter. So uh, by no way, shape, or form am I labeling all Colts as these terrible, undeserving fans of Andrew Luck, but it was just a horrible look. And and some people have, have tried to go out and say, you know what, if it wasn't announced at halftime of a preseason game and then got you know leaked out through the rest of the stadium, still, you're going to boo him off the field? I, I just totally 100% do not get that in any way, shape, or form. And the last thing I'll wrap with here on Andrew Luck is that And I mentioned this on Twitter, this should be a massive warning sign to teams who are starting to develop their their quarterback of the future, teams like the Texans and the Cardinals and the Jets specifically, with Sam Darnold and with Kyler Murray, and of course with uh, Deshaun Watson. When you find your franchise quarterback, protect him. Get protection around him. Develop that offensive line as quickly as possible. Find whatever players that you need to provide solid pass protection. Because if you don't, you may end up in the exact same situation as the Indianapolis Colts where you're getting your quarterback killed. The same draft, 
RG3, Andrew, uh, Andrew Luck, both of them, their coaches and their teams did them no favors early in their career. And now because of that, in my opinion, the NFL lost two of its, its true potential stars in Andrew Luck and RG3. So for those teams specifically, Texans, Cardinals, and Jets, and to an extent, the Seahawks as well. I know Russell Wilson's already well in his prime and well-developed as a starter, but those teams have porous offensive lines and have quarterbacks that should be in this league for a while yet and playing at a high level. For the love of all things holy, go get them some protection, protect those quarterbacks, and don't end up in a similar situation to what the Colts did with Andrew Luck. All right, that ends my rant on Andrew Luck. Let's transition over to the Green Bay Packers because uh, we were certainly not at a lack of news uh, from a Packers standpoint this weekend either. And probably the biggest piece of that news uh, was the news, to, uh, I guess, Sunday that uh, Josh Jones was officially released from the Packers. And there's a lot of things to, to peel back here. First of all, this is something that we've seen coming for some time now from him asking for a trade uh, to them picking up Ibrahim Campbell to them bringing him back and integrating him with the defense and then having this mysterious type ailment that's held him out of everything. It just seems that the writing was on the wall to move on from Josh Jones for some time now. As I noted uh, today, I think the bigger surprise here was that they weren't able to get a ham sandwich in return for Josh Jones, not a conditional seventh round pick, not a player that's about to get cut in two weeks, not anything. And this is the second time this offseason now that they haven't gotten anything for a player, either Mike Daniels or Josh Jones. Now, I've seen some people say in regards to this, hey, once teams know that they're getting released, uh, all bets are off and, you know, you know, they can teams know that they're going to get cut. So they're just going to try their luck in signing them as free agents. And my response to that is, first of all, you don't have to go back too far to find a very similar situation with Ty Montgomery just a season ago. Ty Montgomery got in the doghouse. It was quite clear that they were going to move on from him and cut him. Before the trade deadline, they were able to get a conditional seventh seventh round pick for him. He was in the last year of his contract, and they still picked up a seventh round pick for Ty Montgomery. So my point here being is just because a player is guaranteed to be released doesn't necessarily mean that they do not have trade value. In fact, let's start with Mike Daniels. So Mike Daniels signed for basically the same contract that he had in Green Bay. Now I can understand the Lions and Packers not being great trade partners, but the rumor coming out, or I guess the the notes coming out afterwards from Ian Rappaport is that there were four other teams that were interested in Mike Daniels and were willing to pay him more than what the Lions paid Mike Daniels. So by my account, there are four teams that lost out on Mike Daniels because they weren't willing to give the Packers or the Packers weren't able to get at least a conditional seventh round pick from one of those teams so that they could secure the rights of Mike Daniels rather than having to negotiate that contract alone. And if they were looking to sign to a one-year, eight-ish million dollar deal, I would much rather give a conditional seventh round pick out than have to wait and see if I could sign them with other teams that are obviously interested in free agency as well. Just give me the deal that he's on and I'm happy to give up a seventh round pick for a player of that caliber. So 
Interesting that Gutekunst couldn't get anything for Daniels in that situation. And the same thing with Josh Jones. Now, the immediate rumor that came out from Adam Schefter today is that Jones is expected to get claimed off of waivers, which means that if you are a team that wants Josh Jones, which it sounds like there are those teams out there, instead of clearing waivers, all you had to do was call the Packers and and offer, again, either a conditional seventh round pick or a player that you're going to probably be cutting in the next week anyway, and you could probably have that player instead of having to try to claim him off of waivers. And there are a plethora of players that are in a similar situation to Josh Jones that were high draft picks that are on the bubble throughout this league. You would have thought that maybe they would have been able to trade places. And I saw it suggested by somebody on Twitter that, you know, maybe Brian Gutekunst is over his head and, you know, he should have been able to get picks for these players. And well, to an extent, I believe that there should have been, you know, picks out there for both of these players. The one thing that comes to mind is that it's possible that neither of these players would have passed their physicals. And if they don't pass their physicals and then the trade gets voided and then you have to just delay the inevitable and release them anyway, I can see how maybe you don't want to be that GM that's trying to pedal off injury players to other teams via trade. And if that's your concern, and rather than be that GM um, and, and try to get maybe a couple conditional seventh round picks that are basically nothing anyway, okay, I could see them releasing those type of players instead of taking a ham sandwich in return. So, uh, and you could say this, you know, about Mike Daniels too, maybe because of his service to Green Bay and because they didn't let him see free agency and they released him at the last minute, rather than trade him to a team that maybe he doesn't want to go to, I could understand maybe at least doing him a solid instead of taking a, a really awful draft pick in return, maybe letting him choose his team. But interesting again today that uh, they were not able to get anything for Josh Jones whatsoever. And either way, it does certainly show just how much Josh Jones has fallen in the last couple years that there was no team that was able to offer enough that at least Brian Gutekunst would have been able to say like, yeah, we'll take it and we'll we'll take our shot with it. So uh, very, very interesting in that regards. And going back to Josh Jones out of college, um, I'll be the first to admit this was a player that I liked quite a bit coming out of college. Um, I saw a lot of things to like on tape. He was an aggressive tackler. He certainly had all the athleticism in the world. He flew to the football. And, and I think the biggest change for him between college and the NFL is that in college, he did not take time to think about what he was doing in a good way. Like he knew what he was supposed to do. Uh, he trusted his instincts. He wasn't thinking out on the field and he was able to go make plays on the football and was an aggressive tackler, got sideline to sideline. He was just a very impressive player. And then when he got to Green Bay, we saw a little of this initially, but then you could see where you know his head started to swim a little bit. He was not keen on things well. Uh, he was not just playing to his instincts. When he was, when he was playing up at the line of scrimmage, he was at his best. And we saw that on a few different occasions when he had to play back in coverage and when he had to diagnose things, that's when things got a little bit dicey. Uh, that's where the defensive coordinator, specifically Mike Pettin, uh, didn't trust him quite as much. He fell out of favor as a safety. Sounds like they wanted him to be more of that dime linebacker, that hybrid type player. Sounds like Josh Jones just really wanted to be a safety and things kind of fell apart from there. He requested his tra- uh, a trade this offseason. Uh, they did not grant it at least immediately. Uh, he was injured to start. He got back in and he, he was really back in the rotation right away, which I had noted immediately on Twitter that I was surprised after seeing Jermaine Whitehead and HaHa Clinton Dix and Demarius Randall and some of the in Ty Montgomery, these players get jettisoned when they were unhappy or doing things that they weren't supposed to be or saying things 
they weren't supposed to be. Green Bay's had a pretty zero tolerance policy. So for them to put him right back in the thick of things was surprising to me. Well, now it's it's come to fruition and they've they've moved on and they've decided to go obviously in another direction and Raven Green's going to be a big player that replaces him. Um, going back to, to Josh Jones just a little bit, I talked about how I, I had a high scouting report on him. I had pretty much a high second round pick on him coming out of college, maybe even been a late first. Uh, really liked him a lot, as I mentioned. Uh, but then we started, you know, getting notes out of mini camp, rookie mini camp, mini camps and OTAs, and even training camp, how he massively looked the part that he was ready to play from day one. And uh, he gets, you know, in, into games pretty early in the regular season. That week three game against the Bengals, you know, for when I've been grading tape, it's still one of the highest graded defensive uh, performances that I've ever given a Packer over the course of the last couple of years. In that game, he had 12 tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss. And uh, he was the best defender on the field that day. And it seemed like a star was born and he was ready to take off. And then that was really it. That was, at this point, the very high point of his career. And he's never really been able to match anything close to that uh, since that period of time. So he never put it together and Green Bay moved on. And at this point, the rest was kind of history. Um, one of the other things that I have noted throughout this offseason is that uh, if, if you've been somebody who's read my grades and gone by you know my week-by-week grades and my end-of-season grades and things like that, well, I'll be the first to tell you, and I talked about this with Peter Bukowski when I was on uh, our rival Locked On Packers podcast recently. He had me on to kind of talk about those grades, and I'll be the first to tell you, I am not, you know, necessarily the be all end all. Um, you know, there's only certain things that I I can see. Um, I trust my grades a ton. I put a ton of time, effort, and energy in it. But uh, if you ask, you know, ten people to grade uh, a play, you may very well get ten different responses on how they would have graded a specific play, I think the value in it is that you have one consistent grader over a long period of time and you can pick up on some trends very, very easily. And uh, one of the things that at least this point, it seems like is that I've been fairly spot on with the people that I have graded negatively because Green Bay has moved on and purged pretty much every single player that I've had bad negative grades on over the course of the last two seasons. And I noted recently that there were only four players remaining that I had uh, poor grades on combined over the course of the last two years. And that was Justin McCray, Josh Jones, Reggie Gilbert, and Jimmy Graham. Those were the four less left standing. And now Josh Jones is gone. So there's only three left. And that again includes Justin McCray, Reggie Gilbert, and Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham's going to make the team. We know that. Reggie Gilbert and Justin McCray are the two left standing. And by no way, shape, or form are they locks to make the 53. There's a decent chance that the only one left standing come regular season is Jimmy Graham. And that's probably due more to contract than what he's put on tape so far. So uh, certainly something to keep an eye on moving forward and what they do with this final 53. Uh, But they have purged a lot of players that I had a lot of bad grades on. And I think hopefully that's going to lead to a much better team as the Packers go forward. All right, moving along, uh, in addition to moving on from Josh Jones, uh, the Packers made three specific signings today, um, all of you know some interest, I guess. Uh, the, the first uh, signing was James Folston Jr., a 6'3", 233-pound linebacker out of the University of Pittsburgh. He is a rookie. Uh, he's already spent some time with the Titans. Interestingly enough, he only started in five games over his entire career at Pitt, uh, totaling 47 tackles and only one and a half sacks. 
Sounds like he could play some inside linebacker and some outside linebacker. Sounds like he has some some flexibility there. It looks like he was playing at outside linebacker today from the reports at camp. Um, his measurables were insane, which of course will uh, be of surprise to nobody. He kind of fits that Brian Gutekunst mold, um, and he's going to wear number 49 for them moving forward. Uh, the next one was Jaquez Kalili, and he is a 5'10", 185-pound rookie cornerback out of UNLV. He's already spent some time with the Jaguars. Uh, he kind of moved around colleges a little bit, ending with UNLV. Um, and in his last couple of years at UNLV, he had five pass breakups and one interception. Um, and he will wear number 22 for the Packers. And then last but not least, Nicholas Grigsby. He is a 6'2", 230-pound linebacker. He is not a rookie. He has been a journeyman over the course of the last few years. He spent time with the Rams, Ravens, Patriots, Lions, Ravens again, and now obviously with Green Bay. Uh, He has 15 tackles to his name in his career, and he is known more for his special teams prowess uh, than he is for his actual play at linebacker. Uh, But he's got some athleticism as well and, and can be a little bit of a madman on special teams. So It's tough to imagine that these players are anything more than bodies for Thursday's game at this point. You could make an argument with Grigsby's uh, ability to play special teams and their, um, you know, just how thin the Packers are at linebacker that maybe if he had a monster game and made a huge impact on special teams, you know, maybe he could push out somebody like James Crawford or maybe he could, uh, you know, do enough if there was an injury to stick around for a few weeks. But um, I don't think any of these players are, are real solid bets by any stretch of the imagination to make the initial 53. I think Grigsby will be some some depth and a, a player that will uh, help out this coming Thursday, and it, probably they'll move on from him after that, barring something crazy. I think Khalili and Fulston Jr. will be two players uh, that are really just vying for for time that are, they're, they're going to try to make their names as a practice squad player, if anything. You know, they're going to be well behind the eight ball and they're going to have to press and uh, try to do something spectacular within the next 10-ish days here. Just again, not even that, next seven days, six days to try to make a name for themselves to, to make the practice squad. So more than likely three names that are, are going to be there on Thursday. Um, try to put some good tape on film for teams around the league and will probably be moved moved on on <clears throat> will probably be moved on from after that, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. You never quite know. Uh, Packers have picked up players very late in the process in the past, and they've found a way to make a team. So if you're on the if you're on the ninety, you've got a shot at the fifty three. You've got a puncher's chance. So maybe one of these three players will make a name for themselves on Thursday, and and who knows? You, you never quite know what will happen. The the next thing that I wanted to touch base on today is the the Packers backup quarterback situation, and I know that I am kind of the the ringleader for the the Tim Boyle fan club, and Tim's been gracious enough to uh, come on the podcast with me and, and talk some Packers, and uh, you know that was obviously fantastic. I want to talk about this from a you know a, a dead serious standpoint of of where I feel like this quarterback battle is at because I know I think sometimes people think that you know some of the things that I say with Tim Boyle are, are tongue in cheek um, you know some people think that you know maybe I get blinded by fandom the truth of the matter is is when I evaluate a player I I'm evaluating that player on the merits of their play and what I see in practice and what I see on tape more than anything else. And what I'll say to kind of back this up with Tim Boyle, Tim Boyle didn't have a great start to training camp. And I'll be the first to tell you that. I think he would probably be one of the first people to tell you that. He struggled with his consistency. 
And uh, Aaron Nagler, actually, him and I were talking when he was in town, and I, I did a, the first Nagler's Never Right uh, with him when I think it was after one of the first couple of training camp practices. And he, he asked me, he said something to the effect of, you know, do you really think, you know, Tim Boyle is, is a good number two quarterback or can be the number two quarterback and things like that? And after seeing him for a few, you know, the, those few days in practice, my response to him was basically, do I think at that point he was a good number two quarterback? No, I didn't based on the week of practice that I had seen at that point. But I also said, do I think he can be the second best quarterback on this team based off of what I had seen from him and Deshaun Kaiser? I said, yeah, I I think he could. And we didn't get to finish our conversation. Um, Had we gone on a little bit further about Tim Boyle, the thing that I would have added to that conversation is that I would have said, uh, I think Tim Boyle will play better in games than he practiced in practice so far. But to be fair, he had not had a great start to training camp and neither Deshaun Kaiser nor Tim Boyle were making any waves or giving anybody any confidence that if Aaron Rodgers were to go down, that they would be able to step in and be competent backups at that point. First preseason game comes and I thought Tim played fairly well, Uh, had a couple throws I'm sure he'd like to have back. He only had a couple series um, through, of course, the the touchdown pass to Jamon Moore uh, through what should have been a touchdown pass to play before that to Jamon Moore. Um, And overall, I thought he had a, a fairly solid performance. He came back in week two and had a stretch where I think he was like one of nine, you know, passing and then had a touchdown drive before he ultimately got pulled from Annie Wilkins for the rest of that game. And then he gets the start in week three, which I should mention, I was at that practice on Sunday and Monday, the last two training camp practices. And to me, in those two practices, he was better than Kaiser fairly significantly. He, I thought he had looked much, much better. But I had noted that up to that point, there had been nothing, absolutely nothing in training camp that would have led me to believe that Tim Boyle was even in the conversation for the number two quarterback position because Deshaun Kaiser had basically taken every number two rep up to that point when Rodgers was out. He Kaiser was the number one guy. And there were a handful of situations at best where Tim Boyle got in with the ones or the twos, but they were few and far between. And there were also actually times where Manny Wilkins stole reps from Tim Boyle as the number three. So There was nothing for me to believe at that time that Boyle was sincerely in the conversation. And then all of a sudden, Rodgers doesn't play week three and Tim Boyle gets the start. And I was really intrigued for a couple of different reasons. One, my first thought was, are they legitimately not playing Deshaun Kaiser? Did they view Kaiser as one of the players that they didn't want to get hurt? Because obviously then the writing is on the wall that Kaiser's going to make the team. And then when when Boyle plays the whole first half, and then Kaiser comes in later, then the question becomes to me, was this something that was planned all along? Were they going to give Kaiser two games to start and then Boyle two games to start? Or was this something where Tim Boyle legitimately earned in practice the right to be the the backup QB, or in this case, the starting QB with Rodgers out because he was playing better than Deshaun Kaiser? And I don't know the answer to that. My answer based off of what I saw in practice is that Boyle was better, but I don't know if that was something that was planned ahead of time. And to this point, we we don't know the answer to that. And I don't think we know yet who's going to start this coming Thursday. So that'll be of interest as well. 
But I think, you know, Boyle comes out in game three and he struggles for those first couple drives. Now there's a couple extenuating circumstances here. So, you know, on the first drive, he has the play where he slips on the field and has to quickly get rid of the ball. There's another screen pass that's set up and the defender's right there. So he has to just throw it into the ground. And there's just, there's a couple plays that he has to kind of just get rid of the ball and he didn't really have much of a chance. There's a third down play to Robert Tynion where he did have a chance on and didn't complete it. And you could just tell early in the game, he he wasn't in a rhythm. And I actually, I just looked back. And as soon as he uh, was announced as a, a undrafted free agent, I did a whole thread on him. You can still find it on Twitter. And one of the things I immediately noted is that he is a rhythm player. And if he is in a rhythm, he can get going very fast and start picking up first downs and picking up drives. And, and he just really gets in a zone. But when he's not in a rhythm, things can start to go bad fairly quick. And in the first few drives of that game against the Raiders, we saw things not exactly clicking. And, you know, again, he started maybe, you know, two of eight, something like that. It it was not a great start to say the least. And then he comes back and all of a sudden things start clicking very, very quickly. Uh, He throws a dime to Equinemia St. Brown that EQ drops. He comes back and he throws an absolute dime for a touchdown to Jake Kumaro. He threw the touchdown pass to Trevor Davis. That was fantastic. I threw a nice pass over the middle to Robert Tanyan and things just started clicking and all of a sudden he was in the zone. And that was the Tim Boyle that I had legitimately seen early in practices last year, um, throughout practice last year, through, through some of the practices this year and uh, through some of the preseason games, both last year and this year, that's the Tim Boyle that I see. When he's playing with confidence and when he's in a rhythm, he looks like a, a NFL quarterback. Now, he's probably somebody that's always going to struggle a little bit with accuracy. I don't think he's ever going to be a 75% passer or a 70% passer, probably even a 65% passer. You know, if he would actually get in with the ones in an NFL game, he's probably a 55 to 58, maybe 59% passer in a game. He's probably going to throw some interceptions. But what I see from him at this point is somebody that's unafraid, somebody that's going to attack downfield, who has the ability to attack downfield. His arm is live. He can get it to anywhere he wants on the field. He has good touch on the ball. And when he gets in a rhythm, he can, you know, he can put drives together. And I think in in the right situation, he could win you some games if your defense was up to the task and maybe if you had a lesser opponent. And you might say, well, yeah, under a perfect condition. But my point being here is what you want in a backup quarterback in the league right now is somebody that over a five-game stretch can go two and three, maybe three and two under a good stretch, but probably two and three, and and at least keep your season alive in some capacity. If if Rodgers is out for five games, can you go two and three and hope that you know Rodgers was able to go seven and four in the other 11 to at least get you to nine and seven? That's what you're hoping for. If a five-game stretch, can you go two and three? And I think he has the enough ability right now that if you go, you know, he has to play five games, I think he can win you two. And outside of a couple backup quarterbacks in this league, Tyrod Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick, assuming that he actually backs up Josh Rosen, we'll see. You know, there's not many backup quarterbacks that I feel are going to do much better than two and three in the right situation. So I like what I've seen out of Tim Boyle. Is it perfect? No. Is he ready to be a middle of the line NFL starter? No. But I see potential there. Don't forget, 
that this was one of the top recruited high school quarterbacks coming out of high school. He went to UConn and just things did not click. He had awful statistics at UConn. And I mean, some of the worst statistics you have ever possibly seen transfers. Uh, and then, you know, goes to a, a smaller school, smaller program, um, and plays okay. But you can see some of those big time NFL throws there. And the last thing I'll say out of, out of Tim Boyle is that I've also seen some of the intangibles. So sitting next to Aaron Rodgers when he's doing his interview, his weekly interview with the media to try to pick up on little nuances and learn what he can from Aaron Rodgers, staying late after practice and working with Darius Shepard and Jake Kumaro so that those guys can get better. But he's also obviously working on his accuracy in his game as well. You know, it's just little things like that, that I see out of him. He is a grinder. He's somebody that wants this. You can tell. And and that, that's why to me at this point, uh, Boyle is ahead of Kaiser. And what I'll say about Kaiser is we saw some big throws, even in a, a disappointing performance uh, for Deshaun Kaiser in this last preseason game. And even coming after Tim Boyle, we saw some big time throws. There was the, the great throw over the middle. It didn't end up getting completed, uh, but I thought it was a really fantastic throw deep over the middle. He had an anticipation throw and a deep out that was fantastic. You see some big time arm talent throws out of Deshaun Kaiser. The difference to me is that Tim Boyle looks like a quarterback and Deshaun Kaiser looks like somebody that's trying to play quarterback. He just doesn't have the confidence. He doesn't have the feel. He just doesn't look like he he understands everything that's kind of supposed to be happening simultaneously. And you can see him thinking out there. And again, it's not to say that Tim Boyle's 100% ready or that he's not thinking out there from time to time either, but he has that natural swagger and confidence and um poise and moxie about him, where with Kaiser, it just looks robotic. And like I said, like he's trying to play quarterback. To me, that's the difference. That's what I see on tape. Am I cheering for Tim Boyle? Hell yes, I am. Am I a fan of Tim Boyle? Hell yes, I am. No questions asked. But if you're asking me apples to apples, who I think is the better quarterback at this point, I unequivocally think that it's Tim Boyle. And that is not because I like one more than the other. It is because that is how I see it on tape. That's how I see their potential. And that's how I see long-term careers going forward. I think Tim Boyle will ultimately be the better player than Deshaun Kaiser. What that means, if either of them ultimately ever end up getting on a field, I don't know. Maybe both of them will be in the XFL next year starting for different franchises. We'll see. But I think Tim Boyle will go on to have the better career than what Deshaun Kaiser has. Of course, only time will tell. Last but not least today, uh, just some quick practice updates. Uh, some players that returned from practice, Kadar Holloman, Danny Vitale, and Blake Martinez, all were back on the practice field. So those are some really nice names uh, to see back practicing. Jay Sternberger also continued to practice. He was still out of the concussion protocol, so that was a promising sign as well. However, we still had a laundry list of players that were missing from practice, including Alan Lazard, Equinemius St. Brown, Kevin King, Mike Tyson, Ibrahim Campbell, Curtis Bolton, Oren Burks, Malcolm Johnson, KB and Ento, Rashawn Gary, Greg Roberts, Cole Madison, David Bakhtiari, Jimmy Graham, and Reggie Gilbert. David Bakhtiari uh, being one of the, the big ones to, to, to note there. I'm not sure. I have not heard anything. I tried looking at all the different Packer beat writer accounts to see if, if anything was announced on that. Uh, at this point, I have not seen anything what was up with Bakhtiari, if it was just a, a planned absence or a day off or what, but um, obviously that's one to keep an eye out for. Um, all the other ones, we pretty much knew about that there was some sort of injury. So uh, hopefully Green Bay can can get some of those players. It sounds like Rashawn Gary was ro- walking around the locker room and in good spirits and looked like himself and didn't seem like anything was too off. 
Curtis Bolton said he, that he was pretty confident that he didn't tear his ACL, which was the fear. So potentially some good news there. So hopefully some of these injuries start getting better. Uh, hopefully the, you know, a lot of these players are ready for week one against Chicago, uh, which is coming up insanely fast. Um, so just some injury notes there. Uh, hopefully we get some of these players back sooner rather than later. Uh, but time will tell and uh, we'll go from there. And like I said, hopefully they're ready to play week one. Last but not least, uh, if you haven't yet visited our friends out at the Ticket King, please make sure to do so. They have done a tremendous job of supporting us, so please go out and support them. Still plenty of time to get your tickets, and you are running out of time, however, uh, to use your promo code PACKADAY. Again, that's promo code PACKADAY, no dashes, no spaces. You can get 10% off any order. It is not just Packer tickets either. They have concert tickets, uh, wrestling tickets, whatever you can possibly think of. If, if there's tickets out there, they probably have it. So go to theticketking.com. Use promo code PACKADAY, get your 10% off, and get whatever tickets that you're looking for today. That 10% promo offer will be done uh, in the next uh, week to two weeks here, so definitely go out and do that sooner rather than later. That does it for me. Make sure to check out Jake and Ross tomorrow. Also, I started doing a brand new podcast with Tony Pauline. If you are not familiar with Tony, he is one of the ultimate draft analysts that you will find. Uh, He is a fantastic, fantastic analyst when it comes to all things NFL draft. He and I are doing a weekly podcast that will launch on Thursdays. We did our first one last week. It is through Pro Football Network, which by the way, if you have not checked out Pro Football Network out yet, uh, make sure to do so. They are doing some phenomenal work. Tony is a full-time writer out there now for Pro Football Network. So if you're looking for some great draft material, uh, they have that you know that avenue out there with Tony. Uh, they have a podcast with Tony and I. They have all uh, a ton of other podcasts going on. They also have a ton of great writers out there. So make sure to check them out if you haven't already. You can find them on Twitter at PFN365. Um, Make sure to check out all of our Packaday podcast episodes first, by the way. Uh, that, that comes first and foremost. Uh, make sure to always listen to our great content here. Uh, but then uh, once you've you know listened to uh, our episodes, then make sure to go check out Tony and I over at Pro Football Network. And I, I think you're really going to enjoy that podcast as well. So that does it for me. Until next time. And as always, go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.